following message was delivered at Bible Baptist Church in Dickinson, North Dakota. And looking at verse 38, Deuteronomy 1 and 38, Deuteronomy 1 and 38. Here the Bible says, but Joshua the son of Nun, not the son of a Nun, but the son of Nun, which standeth before thee, in case anybody wondered, which standeth before thee, he shall go in thither, encourage him, for he shall cause Israel to inherit. Here, um, I'd like to preach on this subject tonight, encouraging each other in the work of the Lord. Encouraging, encouraging each other in the work of the Lord. Let's pray. Father in heaven, Lord, thank you for your, your word. Father, for this admonition from scripture. And Father, Lord, thank you for the privilege it is to be a part of the work of the Lord. Help us Father, to walk worthy of that calling. God, help us to be for thy use, prepared unto every good work. And Lord, as we consider uh, this subject of encouragement, Father, Lord, we all need it. And I pray, God, that you'd help us to see the importance of it. I pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Again, encouraging each other in the work of the Lord. Now, here in uh, this book is where we find our text for consideration. Now, Deuteronomy is called, is defined as the second law or second giving of the law by Moses, the name given to the fifth uh, book of the Pentateuch, the Pentateuch being what's called the law or the law of Moses. It's also known among some of the rabbis as the book of reproofs. Now, the Pentateuch is the first five books of the Bible and is also called the law of Moses. Look with me to Joshua chapter 8. Joshua chapter 8. <clears throat> known as that throughout scripture in Joshua chapter 8 and verse 30, Joshua 8 and uh, verse 30 and 31. Here the Bible says, then Joshua built an altar unto the Lord God at Is uh, of Israel in Mount Ebal and Moses the servant of the Lord commanded the children of Israel as, it is, as Moses the servant of the Lord commanded the children of Israel as it is written in the book of the law of Moses an altar made, an altar of whole stones, uh, over which no man hath lift up any iron. They offered thereon burnt offerings unto the Lord and sacrificed peace offerings. We find it's called, if you will, uh, the law of Moses throughout many uh, passages in Scripture. If you look with me to Malachi, Malachi chapter 4, Malachi chapter 4, <clears throat> last book of the Old Testament, Malachi chapter 4. Or for you Bible scholars, Malachi, amen, no, Malachi. Sometimes I look at these, some of these Bible names and I think, okay. <laughs> Malachi chapter 4, let's begin, if you will, in verse 4. Here the Bible says, Remember ye the law of Moses, my servant, which I commanded unto him in Horeb for all Israel uh, uh, with statutes and judgments. Behold, I will send Elijah the prophet and so forth. He's talking about remembering the law of Moses. It's an important part of the word of God. As a matter of fact, at times the, the law is spoken of as the whole of the Old Testament. If you will, look with me to Luke chapter 2. Luke chapter 2. <clears throat> Christ is coming into the world. There is not a disregard for uh, the law of Moses. In Luke chapter 2 
And we'll begin in verse 21, Luke 2 and 21. And when eight days were accomplished for the circumcising of the child, his name was called Jesus, which was so named of the angel before he was conceived in the womb. And when the days of her purification, that's Mary's purification, according to the law of Moses were accomplished, they brought him to Jerusalem to present him to the Lord as it is written in the, uh, in the law of the Lord, every male that openeth the womb shall be called holy to the Lord and to offer a sacrifice according to that which is said in the law of the Lord, a pair of turtle doves uh, or two young pigeons. So we find that it's constantly being used, reused. As a matter of fact, if you look at me to Luke 24, Luke 24, our Lord Jesus Christ. Now knowing this, that the New Testament hadn't been written at this time. Christ has died, he's risen from the dead, he's appeared to his disciples, his, his local church, and he's teaching them some things. Well, the only scripture they have is from Genesis to Malachi. They would have others in time, the New Testament, is, as it would be inspired. <clears throat> Look, if you will, to verse 45. Then opened he, speaking of Christ, their understanding that they might understand the scriptures. And he said unto them, Thus it is written, and thus it behooved Christ to suffer and to rise from the dead the third day, and that rem repentance and remission of sins. Uh, <clears throat> let's back up a little bit. So I missed the passage. All right, if you will, uh, verse 42. And, <clears throat> and they gave him a piece of broiled fish and of a honeycomb, and he took it and did eat uh, before them. And he said unto them, that These are the words which I spake unto you while I was at, with you, that all things must be fulfilled which were written in the law of Moses and in the prophets and in the Psalms concerning me. So Christ put the emphasis where it should be upon the word of God. He included all of the Old Testament, if you will, in, which included uh, the first five books of the Bible from which we get our text. Looking back to Deuteronomy 1 and 1. Deuteronomy 1 and 1. <clears throat> I'm thankful that we have his word preserved for us. In our Bibles, in our King James Bibles, for English-speaking people, Deuteronomy 1 and 1, these be the words which Moses spake unto all Israel on this side of Jordan, beside Jordan in the wilderness in the plain over against the Red Sea, between Paran and Tophel and Laban and Hazaroth and <coughs> Dizahab. Okay, I love those words. But anyway, they're, at this point, they're about to cross over Jordan and uh, uh, before they do, the Lord is going to give the book of Deuteronomy through Moses. Moses is going to recount the law. He's going to retell the law. Actually, in that retelling, uh, that giving of the second, the second giving of the law, we find him uh, going back through history, some of the history, and, it, <clears throat> and reminding them of some things. And then we get to uh, verse 38 of Deuteronomy 1 and our text. But Joshua, the son of Nun which standeth before thee. Now this is the Lord giving instruction uh, to Moses concerning Joshua. He shall go in thither, encourage him, for he shall cause Israel to inherit, meaning they were going to go in and inherit the promised land, but it would take some years because they would inherit it in part by battle and what have you, by war. Uh, but nonetheless, Joshua was to be the next leader. And it's interesting that the Lord spoke to Moses uh, about encouraging Joshua in this great work of the Lord for his life. And, you know, there are times in the life of God's people 
when we all need encouragement, even a preacher needs encouragement, pastors, you know, sometimes people think, oh, pastors, they're just always on top and everything's going well. I mean, there are times when he can't even sing the songs that he's supposed to sing. He can't lead the songs, not because the piano player didn't do her job, but he just doesn't know what he's doing. But the point is, there are times when we need to be encouraged in the work of the Lord and be able to move forward for God. Joshua was about to take on something very important concerning the work of God, and it was important that uh, he be encouraged. And so it is that the Lord uh, chose to use Moses. Now, the word encourage means to give courage to. It means to give, give or increase confidence of success, to inspire with courage, spirit, or strength of mind, to embolden, to animate, to incite, to inspite, <laughs> to inspire, if you will, and you know, to inspirit. That's the word they used. Meaning that, uh, you know, there are times when we all need to be encouraged. And if the Lord would say that to Moses to, to, uh, to uh, reach out to, to Joshua and encourage him, it was probably because he needed to. You know, the, if God speaks of, the, of encouragement here, even with Joshua, and Joshua is a man of war. Joshua is not some, uh, some young uh, Young guy who doesn't know what he's doing. He's been with uh, Moses and Israel now 40 years, wandering in the wilderness of sin. He was one of the two, uh, two uh, uh, spies that were sent into the land of 12 that stood up and said, we can do this. We can go in and conquer the land. Ten of the spies discouraged the entire nation, and they balked at obeying God. And so they spent 40 years wandering in the wilderness. Now, God had some things to teach the generation coming up that they needed to learn to prepare them for the time when they finally would go in and inherit the land, when they would take the land, if you will, uh, by battle and what have you. Now, as we talk about encouragement, I want us to consider a couple things. First of all, who is to encourage us in the, in the Lord? Now, the Lord himself could have sent an angel to Joshua. The Lord could have sent an angel to Joshua to encourage him, as God has done at different times, sent angels. But he chose in this instance to use Moses, another of, of God's people, to encourage uh, Joshua in the work of the Lord. And folks, it's, that's why it's important that we're in place, we're here, that we're paying attention uh, to what's going on in the lives of God's people. I'm not talking about being a busybody in other people's lives, but paying attention uh, to, to what's going on in people's lives because there are times when maybe some of God's people are discouraged. They need to be encouraged. You know, sometimes we get so focused on ourselves, we forget we're a part of a body, and we're a part of a body that, uh, that at times needs to be reaching out to helping another part of the body. Amen? And uh, so it is that uh, God chose to use Moses to encourage Joshua in Deuteronomy chapter 3 and 27. Deuteronomy chapter 3 and 27. <clears throat> Here the Bible says, and the Lord speaking to Moses, says, Get thee up unto the top of Pisgah, and lift up thine eyes westward and northward and southward and eastward, and behold it with thine eyes, for thou shalt not go over this Jordan. You know, uh, the Lord let uh, Moses see the land, but the sad thing was is because uh, Moses did not obey the Lord when he was supposed to speak to the rock, he smote the rock, and what he did is he broke down, if you will, the 
the, the plan of God. He disobeyed the Lord. God said, you're not going over into the land. He said, I'll let you go up on the mountain. I'll let you look out. I'll let you see it. Now, he was going to go home to be with the Lord. But he allowed him to see it. He said, you're not going. But he said, someone is. He says in verse 28, but charge Joshua and encourage him and strengthen him. For he shall go over before this people and he shall cause them to inherit the land which thou shalt see. You know, it's interesting that Bible says of Moses that Moses was a man of God. He was, and the Bible says he had a relationship like not many did. The Lord spake to him face to face, and he had a close relationship with the Lord. God used him to be a great leader for Israel, but now his time was over. It was time for him to move on, to go to heaven, to home be with the Lord. His work was finished, and now it was time for Joshua to step up to the plate and take over the leadership of the nation. And it was important that he be encouraged and strengthened as he began this new work, <coughs> if you will, for uh, the Lord. And so it is that uh, who is to encourage us in the work of the Lord? Well, folks, you and I for ourselves, look at me to Deuteronomy 31. Deuteronomy 31, verses 7 and 8. You know, some, sometimes you think, well, this is a no-brainer. Why are we talking about this? Because sometimes, sometimes we forget part of the reason why we're here working together. You know, when people are working together, they should be working together to encourage one another in the work for the Lord. It's not to saying that we're not doing it, but you know what? Maybe we need to, uh, to do a better job at it in Deuteronomy 31 and 7. And the Lord thy God will put all those, these curses, that's, not, that's Deuteronomy 31, look at verse 7. Moses, and uh, Moses called unto Joshua and said unto him, in the sight of all Israel. Now he's doing this all in, in the sight of Israel, in the sight of the nation. Be strong and of good courage, for thou must go with this people out of the land which the Lord has sworn unto their fathers to give them. Thou shalt cause them to inherit it. And Lord, he it is that uh, doth go before thee. He will be with thee. He will not fail thee, neither forsake thee, uh, <coughs> fear the, uh, not, neither, neither be dismayed. Now in the sight of the entire nation, he speaks up and he speaks to encourage and strengthen Joshua in the work of the Lord. And he's, he's basically saying to Israel, here is the new leader that God has chosen. And he's, he's encouraging him before the nation. So they'll realize, okay, he, you know, it's, it's going to be time now for Joshua uh, to take over and uh, to do this work. God has chosen to use human beings to encourage other people. God established the need that we have back in Genesis 2 and 18 when he said it's not good for man to be alone. If you will, look with me to uh, <clears throat> 1 Samuel 23. 1 Samuel 23. Again, the Lord could have sent an angel to do some of this encouraging. He could have done something miraculous. You know, sometimes people are looking for miraculous things whereby to, to draw encouragement. Sometimes the encouragement that God desires to give to us should come from one another. In 1 Samuel 23 and verse 16, 1 Samuel 23 and 16, And Jonathan, Saul's son, arose and went to David into the wood and strengthened his hand in God. Now, why is that verse important? Because Jonathan's dad, Saul, twice has tried to kill David with a javelin. He's missed twice. And uh, he, he didn't miss because he was a bad shot. <laughs> he missed because God didn't allow David to be killed. But uh, Jonathan was, was uh, 
very concerned about the, the treatment that his dad was giving to David. David was, had done nothing wrong, but he sought to encourage him as a friend. He went to him, and in the Bible says he strengthened his hand in God. Not in some wrongdoing, but he strengthened his hand in doing what was right. You know, David was a little discouraged because, I mean, twice he just barely seemed to barely escape uh, Saul's wrath, his anger. <coughs> and it's sad because he should have been safe with Saul. And yet uh, he lifted up his hand against uh, David and, and Jonathan hadn't seen it. All he could go by was what uh, David had told him. But if being a friend as he was, he, he observed uh, his father and looked at the situation and realized, you know what, there is a problem, and David is right, and he went to him to strengthen his hand in God. You know, David would be king. Now, not for some time. God had already had him anointed as king, and yet it would be many years before David would be king because David had a lot of things to learn. But along the way, God used uh, someone like uh, Jonathan, his friend, to encourage and strengthen his hand in God. You know, folks, we need to be careful of the friends that we make because sometimes friends will make or break our lives. Friends will make or break our lives. Folks, if you make the wrong kind of friend, they may not strengthen you in the work of God or, or your hands in God. They may help turn you aside from God from doing that which is right. The Bible says it. I've said it so many times over the years that evil communications corrupt good manners. It's important that we choose good friends and sometimes friends that we've made, good friends that we've made, can be there to strengthen us in the Lord. Look at me to Proverbs 27 and 17. Proverbs 27 and 17. <clears throat> If you've lived any length of time, I think you, you begin to realize that there are times that there are some people that are good friends and some people that are not good friends. Some people that claim to be your friends and some people that are really not your friends. In Proverbs 27 and verse 17, the Bible says, Iron sharpeneth iron, so a man sharpeneth the count of his friends. You know, folks, a friend will help you to be your best. Not help to turn you, to discourage you or turn you away from doing what God wants you to do, but help you to do what God wants you to do. Encourage you, help you to maybe be sharp in what the Lord would have you be doing. In Proverbs 20 and verse 18, Proverbs 20 and 18. <clears throat> Here the Bible says, every purpose is established by counsel and with good advice make war. I think sometimes Putin uh, may have been ill-advised in his war with Ukraine. As a matter of fact, Ukraine is making some strides against Russia, and I think they're in a little bit of a, uh, a quandary, like, what are we going to do here? They're, gonna, they're trying to force more of the Russian young men into, the, into, the ser into service so they can bring them over to fight the battle. And Ukrainians are fighting for their life, for their country. They didn't invade Russia. Russia invaded them. But, you know, I don't think uh, Putin had any good advice when it came to the war. Now, he may have probably made that decision himself. But, you know, it's important. You know, when we go to battle in any kind of war, it's important that the generals and, and those that are leading get good advice, get good information so they can plan well for the battle, whether or not whether they should or, or should not go to battle. 
And folks, you know, when it comes to us doing anything, it's important that we have good advice. You know, before we did the remodel, you know, I, I called different people. We called and got as much information about all this kind of stuff as we could. Because to me, it was a big deal. And we'd never done anything like that. Now, the Lord's got us through it. And in part, in part, we were strengthened in the work of God because of good advice that we got. Amen. And it was important. And the, and the encouragement that we had for each other in the midst of it. Because it, what a blessing it was to, to be able to come over here when we're all involved in working together. Amen. That was important. But, but uh, counsel is important. The kind of counsel, if you will... Uh, Proverbs 11 and 14, Proverbs 11 and 14, there's been many a time that I've called and asked counsel about things like plumbing, or like when we bought our last uh, furnace, I wasn't sure what we should do, so I called a guy that I knew who knew about furnaces, a Christian, I said, well, what do you think, what should we do? And he gave, we, we had a talk on the phone, he gave me some suggestions, I thought, okay, and in Proverbs 11 and verse 14, the Bible says, <clears throat> where no counsel is, the people fall. <clears throat> but in the multitude of counselors, there's safety. You know, there are times when you're going to undertake something for God, and it's important that you get a, a lot of counsel. You know, sometimes, sometimes we're afraid to ask. You know, sometimes myself as a man, I'm afraid to ask. Our egos get in the way. We're afraid to ask other people. I mean, sh I should probably know this, right? Well, why should I know everything? I don't know everything. And it's important that if I don't know something, that I contact somebody who's probably done it already and ask them for some advice. And you know what? It may be, it may be necessary to talk to many people. You know what? Um, <clears throat> I'm not saying we can't make a decision without, you know, I'm, I'm not talking about, well, should I go to Walmart today or should I go to Menards? I better call the preacher and ask. I mean, there's been some ridiculous... Well, listen, in times past... There have been times when, I mean, you, people were encouraged that you can't make a decision yourself without asking the preacher. Now, trust me, I don't have a turban and I don't have a crystal, crystal ball. I'm not the all-wise swami, amen, just the pastor. I'm here to help, but I don't all, always know everything. As a matter of fact, I've been asked some questions. I thought, mm, I'll, have to, I'll have to look into that. And uh, don't ask me a lot of things about how to do things because I'm about as handy as a rock but I might direct you towards someone who can do it. And it's important sometimes when, if we're unsure, by way of encouragement to get good counsel. And sometimes maybe to talk to many people about a situation. And listen, don't discourage someone from getting counsel if in the course of getting the right counsel, it encourages them. Amen. I think, as, I think if, if at all possible, um, we, we need to learn to, to, to be mature and make decisions for ourselves, but not in every case. There are times when we all need counsel. <clears throat> there are times when myself as a preacher, I have called other preachers for advice because I've needed it. I felt like I wasn't prepared to do the job. Look with me to Ecclesiastes 4. Ecclesiastes 4. <clears throat> And if you will look at uh, verse 9, the Bible says, Two are better than one, and because they have a good reward for their labor. For if they fall, the one will lift up his fellow, but woe to him that is alone when he falleth. He hath not another to help him up. And again, if two lie together, they, uh, they, then uh, they have heat. But how can one be warm alone? Tell that to my wife, amen. 
and one prevail against him. Twofold, uh, two shall withstand, and a threefold cord is not quickly broken. You know, folks, it, there is strength in numbers. There is strength because sometimes when we need encouragement, when we need to be lifted up, God will choose to use somebody else, another person in your life, particularly another Christian, and uh, maybe one of God's people down to the house of God. Amen. In uh, 1 Corinthians 12 and 25, 1 Corinthians 12 and 25. <clears throat> Here the Bible says that there should be no schism in the body, but that the members should have the same care one for another. And whether one member suffer, all the members suffer with it, or one member be honored, all the members rejoice with it. You know, it's important, folks. God gave us a church not just for, the, for us to get together, the preacher get up and scream and holler and make us all feel bad or just, you know, blow it, whatever. But the reality is, is we're here for a reason, more than sometimes just, just hearing preaching. It's a part of our work. Preaching is a part of our worship, a part of our spiritual growth, but part of our spiritual growth and effectiveness in the work of God is other of God's people in the house of God. Without doubt. Do you know, <clears throat> there are times when, I, and maybe I don't say this enough, but there are times in my ministry over 25 years that I have, I have looked out from the, from the pulpit to some of you and I've realized, you know what, what a blessing it was and is that you're in our church. Because I have remembered uh, what the Lord uh, has, is doing uh, through uh, you in this ministry and sometimes uh, through you in my own life. You know, I, I tease people, I like to joke and what have you. That's my way of, of showing my, my care for you, even though it doesn't sound like I care, amen. But uh, you know what, I, I feel like this. We wouldn't be here without you. We wouldn't be here without you, amen. That's why it's important that you be here. Amen. You know, there are times when I look out, and I know, you know, Paul felt this. I can tell because as you read through the epistles, Paul had times when he was away from people for some time. I mean, they didn't have cell phones and, and FaceTime and all that kind of stuff. And so he'd be gone from a place for some time, and he'd hear different rumors, and he'd be concerned about how people were doing. And when he didn't see him for some time, sometimes he'd send somebody, he'd say, uh, Titus, go over there and, and visit these people. Find out how they're doing. And lo and behold, he'd go over there and find out they weren't doing bad. They were okay. And uh, Paul was a little afraid and maybe a little concerned as to what was going on in their life. And, and, and Titus would come back and say, well, this is what's going on. And, and, and you know what it would do? It would encourage Paul. That everything is okay. You know what? That made Paul human. It made Paul human. He was concerned about people that he'd given his life in ministry to. Just as a pastor and just as you and I should be concerned about what's going on in the lives of God's people. And, and care about whether they're here and find out why they're not. That doesn't mean you need to go and... I'm investigating. <clears throat> I'm a church member and I'm here to investigate your life. Now, you should care enough to ask and listen. You know, sometimes <clears throat> we, we ask and then we don't listen. <laughs> we ask and we talk. You know, part of one of the greatest and most difficult things about communicating with people 
is not just talking, but listening. And listening has been said as an art. It's like an art. It takes an art to listen. You know, myself as a pastor, if I'm not careful, I may have someone in the office, and I'm spending more time talking than I am listening. And God says, slow down. <laughs> slow down. Settle down, preacher. Listen. Amen. Sometimes the greatest encouragement that people have to have is that, uh, you know, sometimes people will come to the office and they're upset about something and then they'll just gush. And sometimes the best thing I can ever do is don't open my mouth. Don't open my mouth. Because sometimes they just want someone to listen to what's bothering them. And they'll get through it all, they'll gush it all out, and before you know it, thanks preacher, I hadn't said a thing. <laughs> I not done a thing. But they wanted someone to care enough to listen. Amen. And we're talking about encouraging. Who is it to encourage folks? You are. You can be an encouragement to someone else. You know, sometimes people say, well, what can I do for the Lord? Be an encouragement. Be here, be an encouragement. Look out for people, pray for people, what have you. <clears throat> Leads me to a very familiar passage, Hebrews 10. Hebrews 10. <clears throat> and verse 24, or verse 23 actually. Let us hold fast the profession of our faith without wavering, for he is faithful that promised. <clears throat> Let us consider one another to provoke unto love and the good works, not forsaking the assembling of ourselves together as the manner of some is, but exhorting one another, and so much the uh, more as you see the day approaching. Now he talks about provoking unto love and the good works, being there to encourage people to love the Lord, love each other, and to love good works and do right. You know, folks, we need encouragement daily. And sometimes the greatest encouragement we need is when we come to the house of God and God's people are there and we say, well, I'm not the only one. You know, sometimes you ever felt like the Lone Ranger? Well, there's a lot of girls here. <laughs> Tonto wasn't a girl either. But anyway, uh, the reality is this. Sometimes we feel alone. And it's important when we come, we come and we see that other people are there. And they're doing it. And maybe they're going through some of the same things. And we can talk, encourage each other, exhort, as the Bible says, one another. The word exhort means to encourage, to embolden, to cheer, to advise. The primary sense seems to be to excite or to give strength or spirit of courage. You know, <clears throat> to encourage is to give courage. Strength and courage in the work of the Lord in 2 Timothy 4 and 1. 2 Timothy 4 and 1. <clears throat> Now, sometimes people think, well, the preacher's job is to make me miserable, and he's doing a great job at it. Amen. Well, 2 Timothy 4 and 1, I charge thee therefore before God and Lord Jesus Christ, who shall judge the quick and the dead at his appearing in his kingdom, preach the word. Be instant in season, out of season, reprove, rebuke. Ah. But then it says exhort with all long suffering and doctrine. For the time will come when they will not endure sound doctrine. But after their own lust shall they heap to themselves teachers having inching ears, and they shall turn away their ears from the truth and prove rebuke and exhort. My job as a pastor is to preach the word of God, to reprove, to rebuke, and if it's done right, even that can be an encouragement. 
because it helps us to deal with the problems we're having and then exhort, encourage people in the work of the Lord. How are we to encourage each other in the work of the Lord? Well, Deuteronomy 31, Deuteronomy 31, verses 22 and 23 Moses therefore wrote this song the same day and taught it to the children of Israel. And he gave Joshua the son of Nun a charge and said, Be strong and of good courage, for thou shalt bring the children of Israel into the land which I swear to them, and I will be with thee. How are we to encourage each other in the work of the Lord? If you will, first of all, by God's promise. Joshua chapter 1. Joshua chapter 1. Now the Lord himself... You know, Moses is just reminding Joshua that the Lord is going to be with you. A promise from God. He says it in Joshua 1. Let's begin in verse 1. Joshua 1, beginning in verse 1. Now after the death of Moses, the servant of the Lord, it came to pass. The Lord spake unto Joshua, the son of Nun, Moses' minister, saying, Moses, my servant, is dead. Now therefore arise, go over this Jordan, thou and all thy people, all this people in the land which I do give to them, even to the children of Israel. Every place that the sole of your foot shall tread upon, that have I given unto you, as I said unto Moses, <clears throat> from the wilderness of this Leb and this Lebanon, even unto the priests or the, the great oh boy, the great river, the river Euphrates, all the land of the Hittites, and unto the great sea toward the going down of the sun shall be your coast. Therefore, there says, there shall not any man be able to stand before thee all the days of thy life as I was with Moses, so I will be with thee. I will not fail thee nor forsake thee. Be strong and of good courage, for unto this people shalt thou divide for an inheritance the land which I swear unto their fathers to get them. Only be thou strong and very courageous that thou mayest observe to do according to all the law which Moses my servant commanded thee to turn and not... Uh, uh, from it to the right hand or the left, that thou mayest prosper whithersoever thou goest. This book of the law shall not depart out of thy mouth, but thou shalt meditate therein day and night, that thou mayest observe to do according to all that is written therein. For then uh, thou shalt make thy way prosperous, then thou shalt have good success. Have not I commanded thee? Be strong and of good courage. Be not afraid, neither be thou dismayed. For the Lord thy God is with thee whithersoever thou goest. Now repeatedly he says to be strong, be of good courage. And then he says... I'll be with you. He said, I've promised, I'm going to fulfill my promise, and I'm promising you personally, I will be with you. Now, folks, God gave that promise to Joshua, but God gave that promise to us. Amen. Not only as as a congregation, but as individuals. You know, a lot of these promises we imagine are just for Israel, just for... You know what, folks, if we're talking about God's people, those promises are for us. You know, sometimes we forget the promises. But, you know, it's important that we be reminded of them from time to time. You know, sometimes people come to church and, <clears throat> and they're discouraged and defeated. And uh, one of my jobs is to remind them that God has promised some things. But you know what? I don't always preach on the promises of God. And there may be some interaction between you and another 
Christian and member of this church, and you have an opportunity to be someone to encourage them with the promises of God. You know, I appreciated the book. We got the book of promises and what have you. You know, I think it's a blessing when we can make something like that available to people. But you know what? You need to, you know, God, God will teach us the value of his promises, often by experience. And you know what we can do is take what we've learned about those promises and share them with other people. Amen. You know, at a time when the, the world's a mess, what a blessing that God has made promises to you and I. We need to remember that. Joshua 23 and 14. Joshua 23 and 14. <clears throat> now here Joshua says to Israel, Behold this day I am going the way of all the earth, meaning he's going to die soon. And you know all, in all your hearts and in all your souls that not one thing hath failed of all the good things which the Lord your God spake concerning you. All are come to pass unto you, and not one thing hath failed thereof. You know, he's saying God's kept his promise to you. And he's reminding them. He said, you know, I'm, I'm going to die soon. I'm going to die soon. But I want to encourage you that what God has promised you, he's brought it to pass. What God has promised you, he's brought it to pass. And folks, the promises of God are in, in him are yea. Always positive, always true, always fulfilled. Luke 21 and 33. Luke 21 and 33. <clears throat> Heaven and earth shall pass away, but my words shall not pass away. So what does, that do with, what does that do with the promise of God? That is a promise. And the best book of promises is right here. Amen. His promises are not going to pass away. What he said is always true. What he's promised is always going to be fulfilled. Amen. We encourage one another by promise. Secondly, by God's power. Deuteronomy 31 and 8, Deuteronomy 31 and 8. <clears throat> and the Lord, he it is that doth go before thee. He will be with thee, he will not fail thee, neither forsake thee, fear not, neither be dismayed. Now, here's a promise of being with him, but this promise of God being with him was a promise of power for him. You know, Joshua wasn't a great general because Joshua was the best man. Joshua had learned and experienced the power of God himself in his personal life. He was encouraged by it, by the promise of God, but by the power of God. You know, folks, God is working in our lives, and there are times when we get, get discouraged over one thing or another, and God comes along and says, listen, I'm going to do something for you that you cannot do for yourself. I'm going to do something for you that you cannot do for yourself. And folks, <clears throat> what an amazing thing. <clears throat> if you've been saved any length of time, as a Christian, God has done some things. He's manifest his power for you. 
He has for you. Only sometimes we may miss it. Or maybe we forget it. You know, think about, think back on what God has done for you by his power. Folks, there are, in every, the life of every Christian, we can look back and see what God has done for us by his power. Not by anything that we could do for ourselves. Amen? You know, there are a lot of things that we, we, we get distressed about and we think, well, what am I going to do? And then, you know what? Lo and behold, the Lord steps up and does it for us. Amen? He does it for us. And sometimes even before we've asked him to. Amen? And if we can remember that, then sometimes when maybe someone like us who's been discouraged, maybe the Lord would have you say to them, well, I remember when the Lord did this for me and he can do this for you. God still has power. Amen? God is still the almighty God. In Jeremiah 32 and 17, you know, it's a promise of God. <clears throat> but it's a promise of power. <clears throat> Jeremiah 32 and 17. 30, yeah, 32 and 17. Here the Bible says, Ah, Lord God, <clears throat> behold, thou hast made the heaven and the earth by thy great power and stretched out arm, and there is nothing too hard for thee. Now, Jeremiah, Jeremiah is being persecuted for standing up and preaching that Israel or Judah was to give in to the enemy and go into captivity. And nobody liked that message. And as at one point they threw him in a pit and fed him with bread and water. And here uh, Jeremiah is encouraging himself in the, his God and the power of his God. And at the same time, at the same time, is encouraging us. Encouraging us. Is anything too hard? There's nothing too hard for God. Romans 4. <clears throat> Romans 4. And verse 20. Romans 4 and 20. He, speaking of Abraham, staggered not at the promise of God through unbelief, but was strong in faith, giving glory to God. And being fully persuaded that what he had promised, he was able also to perform. Now this is re regarding the birth of his son Isaac to his wife Sarah, who's an old lady in her 90s. And God says, you're going to have a baby with Sarah. And Sarah laughs. And Abraham's like, whoa. You know, Abraham learned something about the power of his God because God's promise came true. And I have a feeling that when God finally said, take Isaac, your only begotten son, take him up to Mount Moriah and offer him as a sacrifice, he'd already learned about the power of God. The Bible says in Hebrews 11 that he believed that God could raise him from the dead. 
even if he offered him as a sacrifice because he believed in the Christ who would come and die and rise from the dead. You know what, folks? Our God is an amazing God. He's done some amazing things for you and I. And I, sometimes I'm shy. I don't know why, but I'm shocked every time it happens. <laughs> and I think sometimes maybe it's because why would he do that for me? Why would he do that for you? Why? Because he's your God. Because he's your God. Amen? He's going to do things for you and I that we cannot do. Matthew 19 and 26. Matthew 19 and 26. Look at verse 25. He says, When his disciples heard it, they were exceedingly amazed, saying, Who then can be saved? But Jesus beheld them and said unto them, With men this is impossible, but with God all things are possible. Now, men can't save themselves, but he's talking about the rich men. It's hard for them to enter the kingdom of heaven. And he said that on the heels of a rich man rejecting the gospel of Christ from the the lips of Christ himself. And they're, they're amazed. Who then can be saved? Now, you know something, folks? There are times when we think, well, can God use me? Can God use me to help someone to get saved? With men, this is impossible. But with God, all things are possible. God can use you and I to encourage a sinner to come to Christ and trust Christ and be saved. See, soul winning is not just about us talking. It's about the power of God at work in the lives and the hearts of men. God just wants us to be willing to open our mouths and do the best we can and let him take what we are and do what he only can do in the hearts of men. We're talking about the power of God. You know, God would encourage us. You know, Peter says, who then can be saved? With men, this is impossible. With God, all things are possible. And even, I'm thinking, Peter's probably thinking, well, what's the point of us doing it? If he won't listen to Christ himself, what's the point of us talking to him? It was a, it's amazing how many people did get saved through Peter's preaching. The one that said, who then can be saved? You know, sometimes the devil would like us not to believe that God can use us. And God can use us. God can use you to reach a lost sinner. <clears throat> and lastly, by prayer to God. Joshua 10, Joshua 10. And if you will, look at verses 12 through 14. Then spake Joshua to the Lord in the day when the Lord delivered up the Amorites before the children of Israel. And he said unto the, in the sight of Israel, Sun, stand thou still upon Mount Gibeon, and thou moon in the valley of Agilon. 
And the sun stood still and the moon stayed until the people avenged themselves upon their enemies. Is not this written in the book of Jasher? So the sun stood still in the midst of heaven and, la- and hasted not to go down about a whole day. And there, were, there was no day like that before or it or after it that the Lord hearkened unto the voice of a man for the Lord fought for Israel. Now the word prayer doesn't show up here. But who's he talking to? the Lord. He's not commanding anyone. He's saying, Lord, basically, we got to do this. We need this. Now, I don't think God is going to perform miracles at every turn because we ask him. But if there's a necessity for a miracle, God will perform it because we ask him. It's important that we pray. Jeremiah 33. And verse 3. Jeremiah 33 and 3. Here the Lord says, Call unto me, and I will answer thee, and show thee great and mighty things which thou knowest not. Now, you know, I read this verse. I read this verse. But I can't say I've always believed it or prayed in that manner. I can't say that. But lately I've been thinking more about that and more about how much we don't pray and the power of prayer because it's a power that reaches out to God and moves the heart of God. And folks, sometimes the only way to reach some people And to get so many things done is we have to learn that we need to cry out to God for help. God says, call unto me, call unto me, and I will show thee great and mighty things which thou knowest. Not Ephesians 6, Ephesians 6. And verse 18, Ephesians 6 and 18. Bible says in Paul's teaching, the church at Ephesus, praying always with all prayer and supplication in the spirit and watching thereunto with all perseverance and supplication for all saints and for me that utterance may be given unto me that I may open my mouth boldly to make known the mystery of the gospel for which I'm an ambassador in bonds that therein I may speak, I may speak boldly as I ought to speak. You know, folks, Paul is encouraging them in the area of prayer. <clears throat> Because I think he's learning so how, how very important it is. But he's saying, pray for me, pray for one another. You know, one of the greatest ways in which we can encourage people is to pray for them. Intercede for them before God. We're talking about intercessory prayer. And, you know, <clears throat> I think if we could get a hold of how important that is, we might do more of it. You know, there are times, I'll be honest with you, there are times in my life and there's probably been times in your life when we know that somebody is really praying for us. Ever felt like that? I have. And I've thought to myself, I wonder who's praying for me. And sometimes God lays somebody on my heart. He keeps putting them on my heart. And I keep thinking, you know, I, I, I should pray for these people. Because God keeps bringing them to my heart. And then you get down the road and you find out 
that they were in a position around the time when God was speaking to us about praying for them, and they needed help. They needed encouragement. And we weren't there to do it, but we could them. Amen? Encourage them. Sometimes people say, well, what can I do? If you can't do anything else, then probably we should do first. Instead of the last thing, pray. Pray. First Timothy 2. First Timothy 2. There are some that do. Say, preacher, are you one of those? Not always. Not always. In 1 Timothy 2 and 1, I exhort, therefore, that first of all, supplications, prayers, intercessions, and giving of thanks be made for all men, for kings and for all that are in authority, that we may lead a quiet and peaceful life in all godliness and honesty. For this is good and acceptable in the sight of God our Savior, who will have all men to be saved and to come into the knowledge of the truth. Talking about supplications, intercessors, intercessory prayers for all men and for one another. For one another throughout our day, every day, we ought to sit down and try to take some time and pray for every member of the church, including the preacher. Amen. Take some time if you can, or maybe while you're, you know, you could be driving down the road and praying for people. You don't have to stop the car, get out, get on your knees, and, you know. We don't have to do that. But we can be driving down the road, going somewhere, and we've got time, we can pray. We can pray. You know, when I pray for people, you know what I do? I think of where they sit in the pew. And I start on one side of the pew, and I work from the front to the back, from the back to the front. I remember people better that way. Don't ask me what Esther's name is, though. I remember people from where they sit in church. So don't move. (laughs) Stay where you're at. Make it easier on the preacher. But do it. Amen. Now some of you may be doing it. And it's a way way that no one's going to know but God and you that you're encouraging them because you're praying for them. Amen. Praying for them. Bible says that God told Moses, encourage him. God is telling us we need to encourage each other in the work of the Lord. Amen. Thank you for listening. If you have questions about this message, or if you would like information about our church, please visit us online at bbcdickinson.com.